coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Rappers, exterminators, and god killers. We're talking weird games with comedian Greg Smith. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. Patrick Ellers. Oh boy. <laughs> I am joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any problem saying your own name? Uh no, cuz mine's like pretty like vanilla, like as boring as it can get. Yeah, but my name is my name. Like I feel like I I can't I mean, but have it, a hard time saying my it own be a name. Little v- bit of a tongue twister i think that's acceptable but like if i tripped over my name mark mitchell yeah like you're that'd right. be embarrassing but it's it, you're right you have a, an embarrassing name you're right <laughs> um well we've we've got a good long conversation with our, our buddy greg coming up here uh greg's super funny and super talented and we had a really nice time uh, chatting with him about weirdo games um so we won't waste too much of your time however we do need to waste some time first of all Borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. Just do it already. Just do it. Just write me an email and say, hey, send that thing to me. I'll do it. You just need to send an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. It costs you nothing. Big O goose egg represents a zero. You don't have to actually send me a goose egg. Also, we need your help. We're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time, specifically the dungeons, and how we will rank them. But hey, Mark and I are dummies. We can't remember everything about these dungeons. Mark, what is what is the second dungeon? Ugh. It's Death Mountain. <laughs> I'm sorry I asked you one that I knew the answer to. <laughs> there are going to be questions that we do not have the answers to, even when we search our souls good and deep. Uh, so if you could send in any of your impressions, what are your favorite dungeons? What are your least favorite dungeons? What's your ranking? What are some bosses we shouldn't overlook? Whatever. Uh, send that to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and uh, you know, be a part of the show that way. All right, Mark, I think without further ado, should we get into our fun conversation with Greg? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, today on the show, we have got our good friend, comedian, musician extraordinaire, Greg Smith. Hi, Greg. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Nintendo, time to play it. Yeah. That's the title, right? The, the name of the show is now Nintendo, time to play it, uh, and Greg is on it. Greg on it, time to play it. Ooh. Ooh. Every time I am a guest on an episode, I make them change the title. Every single, yeah. uh, every, every show that you're ever on? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Greg, do you feel that's presumptuous? How do you mean? I uh, guess is my response. Jeez, because, you know, people have their own ways of presenting their own shows, and then you come on, and they've got this name already. Right. I think you see where I'm going. Um, I think you know why it's presumptuous. Maybe I'm being a little obstinate. Greg, welcome to Nintendo. Let's talk about it. Um, we are going to discuss some weird games today. Mm. Because I, I sent a, a text over to Greg to say, hey, what, what would you like to talk about? 
on on the show, um, and you threw down two pretty vanilla suggestions, right? Oh, wow. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to diss you here. I, I understand but it, that, but you are dissing the flavor of vanilla for sure. This I, is a good flavor. I believe it is among the finest, like the bare naked ladies say. Mm. Um, but the uh, the the third suggestion that you gave was like a weirdo game. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why why don't you why don't you tell me what that what that game was and we can talk about it. Yeah, the, ooh, this game means so much to me. Doing kind of re researching it and getting it back in my bones, I forgot how much I love this game. The game is called Def Jam Fight for New York. Have either of you played this game? No, I have not. What, so what platform is this on? Uh, I played it on the Nintendo GameCube, mm-hmm. but it was also released for PlayStation 2 and Xbox. Okay. So it's not a Nintendo exclusive, but it is how I experienced it on the Nintendo GameCube. Legit. It counts as a Nintendo game. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, as the name the of, title the, of the, the, show. the title of the show now is. Um, so what? Uh, what is this game? Gosh, what isn't this game? Def Jam Fight for New York is a fighting wrestling game infused with hip-hop culture and infused with a very, very... Uh, uh, I don't want to say it's well-written, but it's very written. <laughs> a very written story <laughs> mode. The writing in this game, the storyline in this game, like hits you like a ton of bricks in a way that it feels like the kind of movies it's trying to emulate. Your juices, your uh, uh, Boys in the Hoods, okay. um, New Jack City, stuff like that. It feels like a classic sort of hip-hop-influenced movie but, as a video game. But the game itself is like a, like a one-on-one fighter? Yeah. So you can, and you can also do like... Uh, it's kind of like WCW NWO Revenge for the sure. Nintendo 64. So you can do like up to four people in a match, two on two. You can do a battle royale. You can grab stuff from the audience as weapons. But you literally play as rappers. That's so cool. Like real yeah. people. Yeah. There are so many real people in this game. You can play Ludacris. You can play as Method Man and Red Man. You can play as Snoop Dogg, although Snoop Dogg plays a character called Crow. So you're playing Crow, but he's obviously just Snoop Dogg. So there are some real rappers and Mm -hmm. then some rappers playing characters within the narrative. So was it, was that like because of licensing issues that they like, they wanted some people to like sign on and be part of this that were like, no, I uh, like Snoop Dogg's like, no, but they were like, we can just do someone called Crow who's like Snoop. No, it's not a Snoop Dogg voices Crow. Amazing. Yeah, okay. He voices Crow. He's obviously like the motion capture likeness of Crow. They just really wanted this storyline with an antagonist named Crow voiced <laughs> by Snoop Dogg. And yet Ludacris, I think, just plays himself within the narrative. So some of it gets a little sweaty. They're also characters. Sure. So it's it's like when you're watching a uh, a curb your enthusiasm and yeah. you see comedians on it and you're like, oh, this person is obviously playing themselves, and you're like, oh no, he's the waiter, right? If you yeah. had this experience, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and you're like, oh, the rest of these comedians get to be comedians. So is it like Mortal Kombat, where like the story mode you can play as any one of these like rappers making your way through? So the story mode, you're actually playing uh, an anonymous hero. It has a pretty in-depth create-your-own-character kind of system. Mm. Uh, I think the person I created, there are six fighting styles in the game. I wonder if I can remember them all. There's street fighting, there's kickboxing, there's wrestling, 
Uh, I'm not going to remember the other ones. But there's like different fighting styles, different looks. If you <laughs> buy more expensive clothing and more expensive jewelry, your stats go up. <laughs> so, and you actually you visit this guy called Jacob the Jeweler, who in the hip hop culture is a real life jeweler that rappers all go visit, and he voices himself. It's so detailed, and it was so perfect for a hip hop slash video game lover like me. And the gameplay itself is so fun. I played this game so much with all of my friends. We stayed up so late beating the 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 garbage out of each other <laughs> as these rappers in these street fights. God, I just love this game. Um, I, I guess uh, my, my question was going to be like, what drew you to this game in the first place? But I think it's obvious, right? Like, yeah, I'm a big old hip hop. You're head. a big old hip hop head. Yeah, and uh, I played this the second game in the Def Jam fighting game series. The first one was called Def Jam Vendetta, which was okay. Wait, the first one is called Vendetta? Yeah. Okay, that's. <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, Def Jam Vendetta was okay. There were less characters. The fighting system was a little less uh, um, complicated in a good way. It was a little too oversimple. Yeah, sure. And they took everything about that game and made it objectively better, uh, including, you mentioned licensing before, this game has such a banging soundtrack. Yeah. It has like at least 30, if not more, hip-hop songs underscoring all of this carnage and mayhem. You just feel so cool playing this game. <laughs> oh, I want to play it right now. Who um, developed it? Like or who published uh, EA, it? EA I think published it. Um and the is the series dead now or does it It is. They put out one more game in the series called Def Jam Icon. I have no idea why they did this. Uh they made it I guess it's kind of cool in theory. They made it like a Parappa the Rapper fighting game. So it was still fighting, but all of the moves you had to like hit in rhythm. Oh, with interesting. The music. And it was very confusing, and I think it was kind of buggy. I played it for like a day, and I sold it immediately. It was really bad and very disappointing. And then it was done. Uh, do you think any any hope of the series coming back ever? This is an interesting question to me, because hip-hop culture, like a lot of pop culture right now, is it's not as monolithic. It's not as sure, centralized. Yeah. It's very splintered. So like... It would be very fun for me personally to like develop a new hip hop fighting game that has a bunch of weird pockets and subgenres that didn't exist at the time. But like, I don't know if like centering a game around Snoop Dogg being a villain means the same now as it did then. Yeah, sure, it doesn't have the. I mean, uh, unless you did it as like a a throwback. That's true. Um, but I mean, that's that's taking a like a weird concept and like adding another layer of weird to it, or like yes. another layer of concept to it. Definitely, so maybe that wouldn't work. So this kind of remind me of that. I guess only because a rapper was involved. Do you remember this game that I don't think ever came out, and it was going to be for like the PS3 and the 360, where it was Fifty Cent in Blood and th- was it called? Right, is Blood that, and Sand. Right, Blood and Sand is that what yeah. it was called? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like in. No, that that game came out, and I think it was like his second or third game. Yeah, because he yeah. there was another game I think called Bulletproof. Is this one where he's like in Afghanistan or wherever? That's Blood and Sand. <laughs> yeah, oh that's a real. That's yeah. It, okay, so that did come out, and they're like traveling around in jeeps trying to like find his diamonds or something. Yeah. Okay. Wow, I have to play that game. <laughs> I th- I think it's. I mean, this will not surprise you, but I think it's very bad. I bet. <laughs> Uh, Fight for New York is, uh, 
at least I believe, earnestly good. And it doesn't try and make that kind of story reach. It's very centralized in New York. It, it, it feels like if you're a fan of hip-hop movies, it feels like a hip-hop movie. Yeah. Like a hip-hop crime movie. Well, and also, like, I'm just thinking about the uh, the time period when that came out, like GameCube era. Yeah, it came out, like, 2003 or four. And that's really, like, fighting games weren't really doing... Uh, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> fighting games weren't really doing, like, uh, big story-based stuff at that time. That's and right. f- that's kind of, like, a, a recent addition to... Um, like mostly the Mortal Kombat and Injustice games that are like, no, no, we can do a story and like we can make it an entertaining thing on its own. Yeah. I remember at that time, fighting game wise, I was playing that and I was playing, would it have been Soul Calibur 3 for the GameCube? Like mm. where you could play as Link in it? Yeah. I was playing, those are the two fighting games and Soul Calibur, they try to have a story, but it's really just like a screen of text and then a fight and then a screen of text and then a fight. So it was cool to kind of see this evolution happen in real time. That is cool. Mm-hmm. I also wonder if there's something very specific about that uh, time where there would be this licensed game with all of these rappers in it, and that would be a cool and acceptable thing to do. What do you mean? Well, I just don't know if, like, with, uh, I don't know, our license... Like licensing real people for a fighting game, yeah. I mean, that's that is a weird thing. Well, and not just that, but the people who are allowing themselves to be licensed, like, Would I'm that trying exist to exist th- in modern culture. I'm tra- yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of current uh, rappers who that would be like a cool thing yeah, to I- do. Modern rap culture, particularly in the kind of our generation, is now becoming the people you hear on the radio. So it's all kind of like late 20-somethings and below. They all grew up on video games, and they all grew up on internet culture. So I think they would jump at the chance to be in a video game like this. I'm just not sure they would want to be in this kind of gritty and dark and tough on purpose kind of video game. I well, think. and even then, like a, a fighting game yeah. seems wrong too, right? That it was some, something a little bit more... Uh, I don't know, like accessible, probably like a um, over-the-shoulder th- third-person uh, competitive shooter or something Which like that. Which is kind of what the, the 50 Cent games are, I think. Yeah, except I think they're single-player experiences. Yeah. I might be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg, that's a good weird game. Thank Let's you. see if any of us have uh, a, a weird game that's even remotely as good as that one. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say that part of what makes that game so much fun is it sounds like it was actually good. It was so good. Yeah, and like fun and playable. All of the weird games really that I experienced were garbage. All right, well, let's... Just absolute uh, trash. Let's hear one. All right, so uh, it's probably the only unlicensed NES game that I ever played, and it's called Pesterminator, the Exterminator. It was a unlicensed NES game. Can, but, you, can you explain what that means for a sec? Unlicensed? <laughs> so, oh, okay, so yeah, go ahead. The the, the cartridge was not because Nintendo like had all of the cartridges and they uh, made people buy made developers buy the cartridges so that they could print their game on it and then send that out with the Nintendo seal of approval. But then at some point a company like uh what do you call that? Reverse engineered the like lockout chip. And so uh Atari had a subsidiary called Tengen who would release unlicensed mm-hmm. carts. And then this other company did as well. And uh, I don't know how it came into our possession. 
Pest Terminator the Exterminator. So have you ever seen Pest Terminator colon the Exterminator? <laughs> yes. And okay, a little redundant. Have you it ever seen? Very redundant. Uh, have you ever seen? You should exterminate one of those titles. He should be the exterminator, the pest terminator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so uh, it's a licensed game. I don't even know if it's licensed. It must be an advertisement of some sort for Western exterminators. This is the company that you see, like, oh. like they drive around in trucks, and they have the little. They kind of look like nineteen twenties. Is it like, like the, Mickey Mouse type cartoon? Like a a, a mallet. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, holding yeah, a mallet, yeah. and there's like a little, uh, like rat pest yeah. that goes oh, along and with he's him. He's got like a big weird hat. Big hat. Yeah, 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 he looks like they're from like nineteen twenty cartoons. Yeah, it's an unlicensed Nintendo game based on that company. I don't know how it came into our possession. So basically, the way it worked was uh, in each level of the game, you had to exterminate a certain number of uh, pests. So like rats, bats, mm-hmm. bugs, things like that. And you'd be in, like a, I think like the first level is like in a house or like a mansion, basically. And so it's a platformer in that way. You'd hit the select button. It would pause. It would show you like, you need to kill 44 more pests or something like that. Uh, it also had this weird, um, like, Thing where kind of like the Animaniacs game for the SNES or uh, uh, what's that uh, big little big planet where there's like three planes? Sure, almost it'd like, be like oh, planes, and yeah. you know you would. Wow, that seems pretty advanced. Well, for... I'm I'm overstating it a little oh. bit. It'd be like you're inside the house and uh, you could move towards the camera or like away from the camera, but it wouldn't. It doesn't have that big of a um uh it doesn't affect gameplay that much because it's not a platformer in the sense like Mario where you're trying to make it from left to right. It's, you're just in, it's more like an arcade game where you're, you're just on like one screen essentially that is a house and you can like go up steps and stuff like that and you're just smashing bugs. It's not a lot of fun. Hmm. But when you're a kid and you're, oh, yeah. and the games are just like given to you, yeah. you play what you have. Yeah, and when so, you're a kid is not really like uh, an understanding of there are other games that you go buy. It's just like, yeah. these are the games you play. Or like good or bad games, yeah. really. You're oh, just yeah, kind yeah. of it like... Does, there, was a, uh, there was a Bugs Bunny game on Game Boy. It's called like Castle something. But, it, but it's like a terrible game. And you're just being chased by, I think, Sylvester the whole time. Um, and like it's it's sort of a puzzle game and sort of a platformer sort of a platforming game this could count as one of those like weird games that i'm not even sure actually exists or if it's just imprinted on my memory um that like and i i played that game for hours and hours and hours car trips whatever um but like i am certain it's terrible i'm certain it's bad but i was a kid i had no yeah. kind of no kind of gauge for what what's good and what i should actually be spending my time on probably the most interesting thing about this game is you know those uh the notoriously bad game like Bible Adventure, yeah, sure. Uh, for like the NES or uh the same offshoot of this developer who they started making uh religious games, and I think they still exist in some form. But they did a Doom 3D clone where you're Noah, and oh, so you're oh, like, oh. <laughs> so it's using like uh-huh. it's using the Doom engine, but uh they just like. Uh, reskinned everything so instead of Nazis it's like angry sheep and then instead of shooting them you're throwing like fruit at them because you're trying to gather oh you're trying to gather the animals it, yeah it's That's it's incredible. like the one unlicensed uh, 
SNES cart that was ever released was that. So it's all the same like developer. Here's That's the <laughs> here's the thing. If there was like a real Noah video game where you like played as Noah and had to collect two of as many different kinds of animals before the floods come, that'd be an awesome game. Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. I think that'd be so cool. Should have, uh, Darren Aronofsky should have had a, a tie-in. Yeah, should have. Can I tell a quick digressive anecdote about that film? You have to now. Uh, have you either of you seen it? I have not. No. Not very good. You don't need to. I saw it at the Arclight Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. And there is a part in the film where God like is shouting at Noah and gets really angry. And at that exact time, an earthquake happened. No. So like the theater started to shake and everyone in the audience looked around and we all had the same thought of, is this part of the movie? Or is this God punishing us? <laughs> or is this? And then we all Googled it after, and it's just an earthquake. It was very good timing, though. That Which, is really good timing. And that still could be God punishing you. It's true. <laughs> we just, we're just like, oh, the earth shook. It was an earthquake. Who did you uh, play as in Pest Terminator? Were you the, you, the you, mallet? Yeah, the mallet guy. Uh, he has a name. I can't remember what it is. Uh, Mario, I think is the Mario, yeah. yes. Or, or Stanley. Stanley, uh, the, the Italian... Exterminator well, from Donkey Kong Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I'm not sure if he's Italian. Yeah, I'm we'll not sure. To, we'll have to look into that. Uh, so the the weird game that I brought uh, for this is, is a Game Boy game uh, that has Final Fantasy in its title. Um, Final Fantasy Legend. Did either of y'all play this game? No. So um, it is sort of it, it retroactively is the first game in the saga series so like saga frontier which was on the um uh, playstation one and which project octopath traveler sort of is or sort of will be um where like the sort of uh, stamps of this game are um that you are multiple characters that have like different paths and you can choose how to how to play your way through these games um but this is a game boy game so it's like hyper hyper limited in um, what you can actually do. And, you know, it looks like a Game Boy game. Um, and so you start uh, as a party of four characters and you can choose your characters. And there, there are humans, there are mutants, and there are monsters. Um, and the monsters are like monsters that you encounter in the game. The mutants are like X-Men style mutants. Um, so, you know, they have like various powers and the humans are like fighters and your basic Final Fantasy types. But the point of the game is to climb a tower that goes into heaven so you can kill god <laughs> that is <laughs> that is the stated purpose of the game from the beginning there is a tower in the center of your world that goes up into the sky and your heroes climb it so they can kill god why do they want to kill god hey greg i don't know <laughs> <laughs> But so like you you know there's this world map and you're walking around on it and it's it's a pretty small world map um and you accomplish everything that you need to and then you start going up this tower and you're like yes I'm on my way to fight god um but then like you reach sort of a, a dead end in the tower and like you go out a door you know you're 30 stories up or something uh past the clouds whatever you step out and there's like another world like a separate world map 30 floors up and then again 30 floors up and again there are like all of these globes around globes around like if you're imagining this planet right <laughs> that every time you get off there's like another world around it and every single one has like uh 
every world has its own like big problem that you're like working to solve so that you can get access to the tower again and continue climbing and defeat God. What do you mean by big problem? So like each one has its own like a uh, global cl- conflict or um That's heavy. Yeah, so like ev- everywhere you go, you just like saved a world, right? And then you go up some stairs and here's another world that needs saving. And you go up some more stairs and there's a separate world and they all need saving. So maybe that's why you're uh, hunting down God is that he's got all these terrible worlds. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of I mean, is it a commentary on the existential burden of the human race living in a world that's cruel and unfair? Is this like a fantasy of... I, m- I mean, maybe. Is too heavy for a Game Boy <laughs> game? <laughs> Final Fantasy? Uh, and, uh, super early. There were uh, three of these games on, on the Game Boy, and this, this was the only one that had that uh, like tower and God-killing conceit. <laughs> um, but, it, I mean, the game is just weird in so many other ways. Um, the, the monsters, uh, when you have them in your party... They can eat the meat of other monsters. So, like, you, when when you've got a monster in your party and you're fighting a, an, an enemy monster and it dies, maybe half the time it'll drop meat, and your monsters can eat the meat, and it causes them to randomly transform into a different monster. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and like the game has crazy weapons, like it has machine guns and along with like swords and uh, chainsaws. It's just like. It's like a, a weird little fever dream of like what can we put in this game that ends up playing like a, the the combat is like Pokemon basically um, that you know you just see your opponents and then you uh, you know menu use a menu to select what attacks you're going to use but it's just like it's got all of this crazy stuff in it yeah if I if I'm thinking of the same game it's like no- notoriously opaque yes like uh, the the monsters maybe can. Uh, evolve and so they learn new skills but when they learn new skills they forget like the old one and it happens like randomly I think mm-hmm. so like they'll learn a new magic spell but forget what they previously knew so you might actually it might actually be a downgrade yeah the the game also would let you save anywhere uh, as long as you weren't in a fight so you could you know it's a Game Boy game that's considerate um but so you could really easily get yourself like trapped too far into a dungeon where like you're just going to die over and over again and be spit back to wow. where you saved. Um, I had a number of saves in this game that just like dead ended because like you'd save yourself in a corner and wouldn't be able to get out. Did you ever beat this game? Yeah, I killed God. What happens when you kill God? I don't remember. It was a very long time ago. You're rewarded for it. You must be. You yeah. You must be. Or maybe you become God. That's probably it. You yeah. probably become God. It's like the Santa Claus. That's correct. <laughs> As we all know, Tim Allen murders <laughs> Santa Claus in the first scene. Um, but I, th- I think that game's especially weird because it has the the Final Fantasy name on it. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, and like, I don't. I can, there are other Final Fantasy games where like you fight angels and stuff, but never, never God. To my like memory, the weirdest established franchise goes insane in one game. Example. Oh, There's geez. also like Conker's Bad Fur Day and like he, Super Mario Two, you could say. I think Conker is a really good example because like all of the other rare games are, you know, have that like bright, sunshiny, cheery, um, like English aesthetic, um, and then Conker is just like, Wah! yeah, <laughs> um, and he's hard drinking and hard swearing. Yeah, a lot of like the Matrix jokes in it. A lot of the Matrix <laughs> jokes. Yeah, very strange. 
Uh, let's 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 hear some other weird games. Greg, you got another one? Sure, I can talk about a couple more. Um, I'll talk about one that I don't remember nearly as well as Def Jam Fight for New York, but I played it a bunch. It's a Nintendo 64 game called Milo's Astro Lanes. You guys heard of this? Milo's no? Astro Lanes. Yeah, it's a bowling game. Mm, okay. Uh, it's a bowling game. When I was a kid, I was pretty into bowling. Uh, I was on a league. I got kind of good. Um so I really kind of gravitated toward this game. And I say gravitated, and that's a bit of a pun, because this game takes place in space. <laughs> Astrolanes. Um, uh, so doing, wait, yeah. is, is it like uh, like the lane itself is like out in space? or are you? Yeah, like you're kind of out in space. And now that I'm thinking about it, the lanes all kind of were floating in abstract purple space. And you were there. Were, Milo was like a human, and there were other humanoid characters. I don't know how they breathed. Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Maybe it's like the uh, the blue spot of the moon uh, in the Marvel universe. Is it blue? Blue area. There's a, a part of the moon in the Marvel universe where Uatu, the Watcher, lives. Um, that is normal. People can breathe it. There's a, like normal atmosphere. So maybe it's like that. Yeah. Marvel. Uh, Milo's Astrolanes is part of the MCU. That's right. That is canon. Mm-hmm. We're going to see uh, that in one of the five or six uh, post-credit sequences for... For Black Panther? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume the, that'll the be the big... Bowling alley. Yeah. I assume that's the big lead-in for Infinity War, is yeah. that they're all together... For a bowling tournament. All the Avengers right. are to, and all you know the characters are uh, mm-hmm. on the moon, bowling. I would love that movie. <laughs> I would go cute. see that movie. Then Thanos comes in, and he's like, we had these reserved. <laughs> And then he kills Hawkeye. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so I'm trying to think of there aren't many examples of like console bowling mm-hmm. games, right? Um, None that I can think of. I can think of that arcade sort of bowling. Yeah, with like, the trackball. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was Nestor's Funky Bowling on the Virtual Boy. Oh, yeah, based on the Nintendo Power character of Nestor. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then he, there was Wii Sports Bowling. Yes, uh, a huge and famous one, yeah. Well, so how does Milo's uh, Astro Bowling control? Or Astro Lanes? Yeah. Astro Lanes? Milo's, Milo's Astro Lanes. Calling the Bowlerminator <laughs> is the full title. <laughs> how, does it, how does it control? Like, uh, you know, uh, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to remember. I remember when you start at like the, the head of the lane. Is that what it's called? The head of the lane? It there's, is now. There's a bunch of arrows. I'm changing titles all over the place. There were like a bunch of arrows leading from your character to the pins. And you could like adjust whether it hooks or goes straight. Maybe with like the uh, uh, the C. Is that what they were called? The C yeah, buttons? the C buttons, mm-hmm. the yellow ones. Yeah. So um, uh, almost like a, uh, like a golf game. Yeah, almost like a golf game. And I think it was kind of like a, it would go up and you would press A yeah. and it would go back and you would press A. Um, but each character had different stats of like whether they naturally hook, how much power they had. The most fun thing about Milo's Astrolanes, though, is that there were tons of power-ups you could acquire, and those power-ups were kind of scattered randomly among the lanes. So there were certain instances where like you maybe only get two pins, but because it went down a certain path, you pick up the mega ball power-up or the <laughs> multiple ball power-up, and then the next one you rain havoc um is milo is that something like it or did they make up this character for this game or is is it advertising some pest control (laughs) (laughs) company 
<laughs> I believe it's an original universe, and it's kind of a fun universe. Yeah. It has a 50s rockabilly vibe. So, like, Milo has this kind of, like, retro pompadour, <laughs> and the music is all kind of, like, swinging, bluesy guitar, swing yeah, yeah. sort of stuff. It, Milo's Astrolanes is, like, written in kind of a 50s. So, it's a weird mix of, like, 50s nostalgia with space stuff, and I'm kind of into it. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Yeah. It's a little, like, jetsons It's a little jetsons That's exactly right. But Milo, re-looking at the game cover, he looks... So much like Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, mm. but it's almost a little <laughs> foul play, maybe? <laughs> foul, mm, foul play. I mean, when you were, because I'm imagining Milo as being like a CG creation, and yeah. when, you, when you were describing like the front, like Pompadour yeah. thing, immediately I went, to, my brain went to Jimmy Neutron. Strong Neutron vibes, yeah. Strong Neutron vibes. Well, mine, my uh, second one is actually space focused as well. It's called Space Shuttle Project. It's like a flight fli- <laughs> for the NES. It was like a flight simulator. This is another one of those like uh, I don't know where it came from, like grab bag games that we must have gotten from a garage sale or something super cheap. And uh, I looked it up. It has six levels to it, but I was never. I crashed every single time on the first level, so I was never able to get past it. So it is like a f- like a flight sim. So the uh, uh, yes, but then it's also like has like some arcadey elements. So. The first mission, because that's as far as I ever got, Mm -hmm. uh, it begins with you have to, it's before launch, and you're uh, an astronaut, like, outside of the space shuttle, and um, you are kind of like in a old-school arcade platformer. You're riding an elevator up, and you have to flip a couple of switches. I feel like I've played this game. Before the time runs out, and then you, you have to go back down and pick up an astronaut and he gets into the elevator and goes up and goes in. Yeah. That's the first part of it. Once you successfully accomplish that, then it launches. And the uh the launch is all a bunch of I guess like quick time event type things. Uh if you remember in BioShock 2, they changed the hacking to be one of those things where like uh or kind of like a golf game where the indicator is traveling from like left to right and so you, you have to, to stop it. You have to like push A in like the right time and then it would change to something else where there were like two arrows that were pointing at each other and you had to make sure that they like lined up and uh and once you do that then you're out into outer space and the first mission you have to release a satellite into orbit and that's uh, again kind of like a fairly standard like platforming controls type thing and then once you successfully do that you come back down to earth and so many parts. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the uh, those same quick time events. And then once you successfully do that, then it cuts to a view of the space shuttle like landing like an airplane. And this is the part that I always crashed on. And watching a playthrough of it, it looks like it should just work like the uh, rest of the quick time events. Like it's two little arrows you that you have to like up. line them up. For some reason, I could never do it. So always crashed on that one mission. So I never, never saw like when you have to save a cosmonaut and stuff like that. Uh, that that reminds me of the, um, the Top Gun game on NES, uh, where which is like a totally fun like flying combat game. But the it maybe somewhere in the first level, it's, it's at whatever point in the game I never saw past. You have to refuel by meeting up with a ship that has like a thing that you have to like 
fly next to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like impossible. <laughs> I mean, maybe someone was able to do it, but I never ever pulled it I off. I think as a Top kid. Gun is like notoriously <laughs> difficult, but also with a lot of these games, especially NES games, if you got just the cartridge and never had like the complete box or especially the instruction manual, like yeah. so much information was in the instruction manuals yeah. in those days. Uh, there were no like in-game tutorials that would be like, when this happens, do this. It would all just be in the instruction manual. There was no internet. Mm-hmm. So you would just have no idea what to do. <laughs> um, so so you played just the the one level of this game. Over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. But I did, and always crashing at the end, but I did play it a bunch, yeah. That's a, the phenomenon of like beating games is something I never got until I was kind of older. I feel like as a kid... There would always be some part where I was just like, I'll never beat this. Yeah, I'll never I'll get past this. Start from the beginning again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're just like happy to do yeah. it. Yeah, that's crazy to think of like the the number of times that we've played the various like first levels of games. Like I could play the first level of Battletoads in my sleep. Yeah. No problem. But you know, you get to levels nine and ten and eleven and it's just death city well it's also interesting when i don't know if you guys have ever been like oh yeah this game i played as a kid that i never beat like for me it was like uh a boy and his blob the mm. rescue of princess blobette for the game boy yeah and i had i played that game so much as a kid uh always got stuck in the same place had zero idea what to do so at one point i was like i'm just gonna i'm gonna beat it like i'm just gonna get an emulator for my computer uh, i'm gonna figure it out i'll like find a guide or whatever and uh, there's something very satisfying, but also weird about getting past the point that you got stuck as as a kid, because you put so many hours into a game, <laughs> and there's so much of it that you have never seen before. That's such it's a it's a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's funny that uh, you you bring that up. I I mentioned Battletoads because th- th- that is a game that I had that exact you know experience with. Like as a kid really liked it, thought the Battletoads were cool. I'm a big Ninja Turtle head, so like, you know, as a natural like the marketing trick that they were trying worked on Patrick. Um but the game was way too hard for me as a kid and like I you know, I could get to, you know, like 6th or 7th level or something like that. And then in college, my buddy Al and I were like, "Let's get good at Battletoads. Let's, and you know, we had uh, one of the top loading NESs with the like dog bone controllers. Um, And so like we spent maybe like an hour and a half every night for like a month playing Battletoads together. And we were like, it was our stated goal to beat it two player. The game physically impossible to beat with two people. When you get to level 11, the sec, which is a, uh, it's one of those like running away from a thing, like you're on a weird vehicle. These second player controllers uh, controls stop working. <laughs> so like oh. the only, yeah, the only thing that you can do is you can get to level 11 with uh, two characters and then one of them has to die. <laughs> and then wow. you can beat level 11 and then 12 after that. Um, but yeah, so that, that was one where I was like, this is going to be super satisfying. And then it wasn't. Did you beat a uh, uh, boy in his blob? The Rescue of Princess Blobette? Thank you for finishing I did. It. I finally completed Yay. it. Found, like, and once you realize what this... Because if you've never played a Boy and His Blob game before, um, I guess I didn't play the modern remake that came out on, like, the Wii a few years ago. But the old school ones, you would... F- you were a boy, and you had a blob. Ooh, good so And far. you would feed the blob jelly beans, and different, je- different flavored jelly beans would transform the blob into different... Into, like, a ladder or an umbrella... 
or uh, a bunch of other stuff. And then you would use those to like solve puzzles and make your way through the game. Um, I I did end up beating it, and it was really annoying because it was one of those like uh, Castlevania Two solutions where you're like, how was I supposed to know that I was supposed yeah. to like drop down there unless I created a hole or whatever, literally ever on every single uh, block in the game. But yes, eventually beat it. Felt great. Uh, so my my final or the, the last one that that I've got here for um, weird game may not a, a, at first blush appear to be that weird of a game, um, but it is also a space game. So uh, we're staying with the theme. Yeah. Uh, I'm referring to Super Star Wars, Super The Empire Strikes Back, and Super Return of the Jedi on the Super Nintendo. I have I, not only have I played this game uh, when I visited home for uh, like Christmas stuff this year. My mom had found the instruction booklet of Return of the Jedi. Amazing. And I, it took me right back. I have so fun and so weird. I have played all three of those, have never beat any of them. It's because they're so hard. Um, and like the difficulty spikes on those things are crazy. In uh, the, the Both The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi have early levels that are so hard um and like most of the game is is side-scrolling platforming right and you're playing as all of your favorites like every level they give you a different like uh handful of characters to play as but they all like control in ways that don't make sense like chewbacca like jumps and flips around remember that yeah um and like you know you're playing as um princess leia in like the slave bikini and she's like she's got like a whip and she's like jumping around and kicking and stuff. And like, I don't know. It it all feels very much like they knew that they were making a star Wars game or three of them. And they were like, what are video games? (laughs) (laughs) They're like platforming games where you like flip around and kick stuff. Right. Um, And then they all had these like vehicle sections um, between levels where, uh, you know, you're just, it's this weird, like mode seven stuff where you're either like flying the, uh, the, the speeder on Endor or and like basically any Star Wars vehicle you took control of it at, at one point or another. Um, but these games were just so like hard and obtuse. Um, like they were beautiful. They looked great, uh, especially like for, uh, for a Super yeah, Nintendo game. Absolutely. And the soundtracks are really good too. I mean, it's all just Star Wars music, but like those games were so weird. It's like they didn't th- stop to think about like, okay, what is Star Wars? And like, what what is a Star Wars game? They're just like, well, we have to make a game and it's Star Wars. So here it is. Yeah. It's almost like they have sort of cookie cutter types of characters. Yes. We got some flippy animations. <laughs> uh, put one character there. We got some whip animations. Put another character there. They, uh, they were all single player as well, right? I believe so. I believe so. Which is... It's it's a little bit weird because I feel like those were the kind of games that would have worked perfectly to just like you and your brother like each yeah. have a controller and you know are just plowing through as like you know Luke and Han. How much fun would that be? Uh, Super Star Wars is one of those games where I played the first like three levels of that so often. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the vehicle section that I remember most is the it's I think it's the second level of the game and you're in Luke's like land speeder or whatever those are called going over the desert of Tatooine, and you have to like blow up banthas like a certain number of banthas and then sure you get and then you get to the uh like uh um jawas moving whatever that's called oh man those games are so hard yeah um 
correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the first game doesn't have a password feature, right? I think Empire and Jedi, you could like, you know, f- effectively save your progress by writing down the password. Yeah. But the first game didn't have that. So you just had to bust through it? So you just had to never see the end of it, yeah. <laughs> That's one I wish was on the SNES Classic Edition. Mm, yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to revisit it with like save states and stuff like that. One of those games was um, re-released on, I think, PlayStation uh, and Xbox when the uh, first Battlefront game came out. Like as a bonus feature? I, I think just like because they were putting other um, like Star Wars games on uh, like on those platforms. Um, and I, th- I think it was Super the Empire Strikes Back. But it you know, is the first time that the game was appearing on not Super Nintendo which is pretty cool, but it's weird that it like goes to a, a non-Nintendo platform. Do we have any other uh, weird games we want to talk about? Yeah, I could talk briefly about one more game that I sort of thought about immediately. Yeah. It's another Nintendo 64 game, another fighting game. That's the pattern for me, I guess. I love fighting games. This game is called Fighter's Destiny. Mm. Fighter's Destiny is what the announcer would say. Do you <laughs> remember it? No, I've never heard of this game. Uh, who who uh, who made this game? Do you know? Boy, Hattie. Okay. I could not tell you. Fighter's Destiny. Fighter's Destiny. It's not unlike like a Virtua Fighter or or like a Soul Calibur with no weapons. It's like a 3D uh, multiple plane fighter, like a Mortal Kombat 4 around the same era. Yeah, sure. Um, and there are interesting eccentric characters in Fighter's Destiny. The weirdest thing about it, though, is that there is a baffling and completely unknowable point system. <laughs> you, it, it's kind of like fencing, almost. You don't win just by beating up the other person until they're done, or even by like ringing out them like you can in Soul Calibur. Like, throws get you a certain number of points, so you want to do a bunch of throws and hitting people in certain places. And so I had so many instances where... I would do so many tutorials and I would feel like I have the point system down perfectly and I would beat up the other person exactly right. I would diminish all of their health bar. KO, they have more points than you, they win. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just be furious. Is, is there a cow in this game? There is a thousand percent a cow in this game, yes. Amazing. Yeah, there's an unlockable cow character. There's like a weird jester character. Yeah, some kind of clown. And the, the main character kind of looks like uh, the Devil May Cry guy with like weird red hair. Yeah, Dante. Yeah. So is there like an overarching aesthetic or is it just... There is kind of an overarching aesthetic. I would say... This is going to sound weird. Euro Trash Circus <laughs> is the overarching aesthetic. It felt It felt like a European game and there was a lot of like... Every character represents a different culture, not unlike Street Fighter. Right. But it all has this kind of like heightened sense of humor about it, where like the French fighter is really French and the clown is really like feels like a classic comedia dell'arte clown. <laughs> it, it was like a very esoteric, cerebral fighting game that I never understood and I kept playing. Um, the developer is called Genki. And it was published by Imagineer, which I I don't know what any of those uh, companies are. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um, the Wikipedia article notes that it uh, takes the 3D fighting game standard set by Sega's Virtua Fighter, uh, yeah. which is also a weird game. It is a weird game. Um, the weirdest thing I think about Virtua, Fi- Virtua Fighter, a 
apologies, um, is that as the games got like better, the graphics got better too, and then they reached a point where they're like, oh no, wait, we kind of like the the simple polygon looks, and like went back. Like yeah. later, Virtual Fighter games look more like the first ones than like the kind of middle of the series. I like that. Um, so did you did you enjoy Fighters Destiny or? Playing Fighters Destiny, I did enjoy it, but it I enjoyed it maybe in the way that you enjoy a workout, where mm. like you're you go on an hour long run and by the end of it you're like tired and sweaty <laughs> and you feel kind of sick, but you're like, no, it's good I did that. <laughs> good, I did something today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone it's, asked me what I did today. I've got I've got an answer. <laughs> so it's definitely not like uh, a fun summer breeze playing Fighters Destiny. It's like hard work is it uh more fun or less fun than clay fighter 33 and a third less fun less fun clay than fighter clay 33 fighter. and a third is so fun um what happened to that series those games were so fun they were super fun they would clean up that kind of self-aware stuff it would clean up yeah, put deadpool would. in it forget about it yeah it'd be great put it on the moon thing you were talking about <laughs> yeah the possibly blue spot <laughs> i forget if that's what it's called well greg if your thing was fighting games i guess mine was like crappy licensed games because uh, I played a game for the SNES called The Incredible Crash Test Dummies. Oh, do, yeah. Do you remember when the Crash Test Dummies were uh, like a thing? Actual Crash Test Dummies? Yeah. No, no, no. Like the actual Crash Test Dummies. And they were like toys for a while, too. And there may have even been an animated series. Yeah. I remember maybe a PSA where they were alive or something like that. I think yeah. that was their origin. Yeah. Was they were in like a bunch of PSAs. Like, don't be a dummy. And uh, Lorenzo Music, the voice of Garfield, voiced one of them, I believe. Oh, really? Fun fact. <laughs> so they, they were like the cavemen before cavemen. Yes. That they started off as like uh-huh. an advertising tool and then became uh, a vehicle for Nick Kroll. <laughs> That's right. The thing we all most know Nick Kroll. <laughs> That's right. Well, and I think they existed before uh, seatbelts were compulsory. Oh. Right? So I think they're like the reason for their existence was to get people to buckle up because it was sort of the classic era of fear mongering PSAs. (laughs) It was like that. And this is your brain on drugs Uh and all that good stuff. Um, Yeah. And so this is just like another bad platformer that I never got that far in. I guess like the most interesting thing about it is aesthetically you are of course playing as one of the crash test dummies. You don't play as both of them. And when you get hit, you lose limbs. Amazing. So That's it's like fun. you have so you have a limited I think you can hit like once or tw- probably twice before you die. The first time you get hit, you like lose a leg, so you're hopping along on like one leg, and there's uh screwdrivers floating around in the world that as a collectible, and when you pick them up, your health regenerates. It has this whole story to it where like you're two crash test dummies and uh this crash test dummy professor is uh worried that a that one of his creations is going to figure out that he can like modify his brain to become an unstoppable killing machine and then he does (laughs) and so your goal and he like crashes a truck into the crash test facility kidnaps the doctor and then your goal is to like track down i think his name's like t9000 which i'm sure is some sort of play on the terminator franchise (laughs) Um, that's the recurring theme a lot of terminators (laughs) Terminators, yeah yeah 
<laughs> it was the 90s. What were you going to do? This game it was inescapable. Of it all the sounds great. Yeah. It sounds like so the most it's, fun. I, I'm doing it. I am. Uh, I am. Doing it a great service by making it sound fun. It is not particularly fun or well designed. It's it was made or published by like LGN, uh, that publisher that has like a rainbow logo. Um, they make notoriously terrible NES and SNES games. Uh, Did they make a Tiny Toons game. Probably. Okay. The Tiny Toons game on um, NES was surprisingly good, and so was the Super Nintendo one I played. Also, the Game Boy one was good, too. Must have been someone else. But there's like a lot of times where, in that era especially, uh, licenses would go to a bunch of different pub- like yeah, uh, publishers true. or developers. Because it was, you know, developers handling different platforms or different games. You'd have like the same license uh, on different... The same license would be would go to different developers on the same platform. Like, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, it was a weird time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all right. Uh, that's we we've uh, presented you with a bunch of good weird games. If you have uh, a weird game that you would like us to mention, uh, you should send us an email, um, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com, and we will uh, talk about it. Because look, we've all played some weird games, and no one knew about this uh, Pest Terminator: The Exterminator game. Um, genuinely, uh, I'm like, I'm very surprised and like shocked to hear that such a game existed we uh we should watch video of it after this yeah i we definitely will greg thank you so much for yeah doing thank this. you so much thank you so much for having me what an utter delight uh is there anything you would like to plug absolutely you can follow me on twitter at smith l greg instagram is the same handle at smith l greg if you're a horror movie fan watch the television program the core it's on the shutter network which is a streaming service for horror heads it's a cool uh talk show comedic look at uh, horror films with some of your favorite horror filmmakers and i'm performing comedy a bunch at the ucb theater in los angeles uh go there <laughs> yeah go there greg will be there and he'll make you laugh Aww. uh greg again thanks so much for doing this thank you for having me And that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and uh, all those places where you get your podcast. We appreciate it. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. Collectively, we are at Nincart Society. The Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you like Mark and Mind's opinions, you can check out our comic book reviews and discussions on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thanks for listening. <laughs>